and I see her one around. Oh, wow. You had to explain it to me. Yeah, but it's solid. Yeah, it was pretty solid. It was pretty so, solid. Dennis, how you doing, man? Well, uh, another yeah. week, another yes, recording. The, the sun is shining. The sun is uh, on your face. In my, in my, this only happens in like November. Office window, yes. And worked outside when the sun was out. It was lovely. It's, it was snowed last night here. Did it really? We had a half inch of snow on my uh, porch roof till midday. The car was, the windshield was covered with snow. Nice. And it's, it led me to use the day to get my snowblower ready. There's that, that's the way it should work. Okay. Right. Explain. But don't, it started to snow, get it ready. I got it all ready except the wooden start, but I had it tipped for a long time. So I suspect I flooded it, shined it up, cleaned it up. Hey, so guess what I found wound around the, the, t- the, the till of the snowblower, the rubber tills that spin around that blow the snow. There was a article of clothing that was caught uh, in the spinning thing that I had to take out with a pair of pliers. It took a half hour. Either a glove or a sock? No. And one more guess. If you don't get the guess, you got to pay me five bucks. If you do get the guess, I pay you five. Uh, your underpants. Oh, my God. I don't know what you do with your judges, snowblower. Judges come in. Oh, here's what the judge's dilemma is. It was, in fact, a pair of underpants, but they weren't mine. Your wife's. <laughs> you wish. What have you been doing? <laughs> so my neighbor came over and her little, one of her boys, she's got three wonderful boys, four, let's say one, two, four, three boys. And I said, oh, look what I found in my lawnmower. And I held up the band, right, with, with a, just a hunk of cloth hanging from it. And I looked at him and I said, are you missing a jock strap? <laughs> and his mother quickly Always said, a good sentence. His, his mother quickly said, he doesn't wear a jock strap. <laughs> As if to say, his testicles haven't fallen yet. <laughs> He's still too young. I, I wish it hadn't gone in that direction because now that's all I can think of. Oh, I have to get over Your neighbor's son's unfallen testicles <laughs> yeah, are no, in your mind. No, the fact that I was stupid enough to say that's right. I say a lot of stupid things. It's kind of what I do. Episodes devoted to that. Your neighbor's son's underpants somehow got into your snowblower? Somebody's underpants got in the snowblower and wound that goddamn elastic thread all through the axle. I had to take it off. I had three tools. I had a puncture tool, I had a big knife, and I had a pair of needle nose pliers, which I'm sure you know what they look like. Oof. I use needle nose pliers all the time. I have three pair. The tips are all different on the three pair. Of course. Yeah. More more needly or less needly? Both. In either direction, since exactly. there's three. Exactly. How'd you do in your homework? Before we get to my homework, I also did some housework this weekend. Cool. Uh, Tell me about it. We, we took all of Saturday and we went out to furniture stores to try and figure out what sort of furniture, because we're to the point where we're about to paint and redo our floors in our house and put proper in your, furniture. In your original apartment? Yeah, because the our youngest is eight years old and is no longer going to pee on the sofa. and. So we decided we've been saving for 15 freaking years to actually buy good furniture. And also we need a way to organize my son's room that used to be my office because it's a really awkwardly shaped uh, room and we need to figure out how we're going to potentially do that. And so we went to this furniture store and before we went, I went and I measured and drew a little diagram of, of the whole room and I measured all the walls and all the little angles and weird because it's a super weird fucking room. And so we went to this place. Did and you do it to scale? No, I didn't. I, I, I attempted to, but it wasn't really to scale. But so we went to this place and we started talking to this woman and she showed us a couple things and I showed her my drawing and she said, wait a second, give me that drawing and I'll come back to you in 15 minutes. And 15, 20 minutes go by and we go to meet her and she has actually drawn it to scale on like graph paper and has done it like actually properly. Expertly. And she said these are the ways we could put the bed over here or the bed over here in which case the wardrobe would be here or otherwise the desk would be here and the wardrobe would be here and worked out all of the possible scenarios and then there was one thing that we were we couldn't really we had trouble visualizing and so she she pulled out another piece of graph paper and drew the like 3d projection of the room as i had drawn it to show where the bed would be like in a beautiful 3d way that it just blew my mind. With her hand on paper? With her hand on paper with pencil. No, pencil and paper. How strange is that to yeah, she, day and age? Yeah, like she just was just like, here, yes. and this would go over here, and, and she drew these How old bo- is she? boxy 3D things. She's probably 60. That's why. Yeah. and Perfect. But it, it was perfect, and it, and it explained what she wanted to explain, and I was just blown away. And so she gave us these two different designs and, gave, and then said, hold on, give me 10 minutes. I'll calculate all the prices for this particular room setup. And she did. 
and came back to us and it gave us that and then also gave us some other suggestions for other stuff and it was just a really fruitful yeah. trip to a store yeah and and for sure i want to give her as much of our money that we can but as it turns out when we got back home and we evaluated her designs she hadn't taken into account the light from the window and she had done some designs that covered up the window light in a way that oh. that's when we actually took a dummy piece of furniture, like we, we took a wardrobe that we have emptied and like we're dragging it around to put it where the wardrobe she suggested would be. And we saw how the shadows were and, and we figured out an even better design than she had done. But again, she was working on this top-down God-level view of the yeah. room. <clears throat> but I was so impressed that... First of all, that someone would care enough to like do this, but she clearly is the type of person that enjoys that that kind of Tetrisy puzzle of putting things together, yeah. and so that was really cool. And then we went to and some so, other stores. Oh yeah, okay. I mean, that, what? But they okay. did, but uh, they didn't do the shit she did. No, they didn't. And but at, right after we spoke to her, we went out and we had lunch, and we just found this little hole in the ground tavern that was just amazing like the food was fantastic and like everything on the menu like i wanted one of everything on the menu when i saw the menu because it was just delicious looking and it's and it lived up to our expectations i had to return the bill twice because they weren't charging us for all of the stuff that we bought huh. is this in town or where did you drive? No, this was in a this was in a nearby town but like nearby 30 minutes away what's the name of it of the town yeah solaris solaris the sun Yes, it, they're famous. That name, for anyone in Spain, will know that name because in that town they have a bottled water plant and they make bottled water called Solares that mm -hmm. is popular throughout Spain. But oh. this particular little town, that like, they have bottled water and furniture. In that, town, in that town is where I bought my desk and my chair, actually, from a different place. And uh, is it bigger than the town? Similar or smaller, maybe 5,000 people huh. is my guess. What was and the name of the restaurant? Somebody's Tavern. The original tavern or something i don't know it's only open friday saturday and sunday from noon to 2 30 p.m 2 30 in the afternoon yeah it's only open two and a half hours a day <laughs> three days a week yes that's it it's open seven and a half hours a week yes and because the owner runs it and cooks yeah yeah, yeah. the, the owner there were several waiters but the cook i think his name was like kini or something k-i-n-i -I, uh and he was the cook and the guy that gave us our first beer when we got there, but it was fantastic. And so how you know, wonderful it was to hit them at the right time when you didn't even know about it. Exactly. I mean, you, That's just you didn't have a real Luck. big window. It was, what a great lucky day to fall into that. Yeah, and as soon as we left the furniture store, we immediately thought, ah, oh, we should have asked this really helpful lady a, a good place to eat around here. But we were too self-conscious to go back in and, and ask. So we just wandered to the nearest place and it happened to be this place. It was fantastic. Oh, isn't that something? Yeah. Well, that's fun. That's yeah. great. And then that was on Saturday. And then on Sunday, I was given the go-ahead to move some shelves that were on my wall in my old office to my daughter's room. And that involved quite a bit of screwdriver work, but also I had to drill. There were three shelves and they were eight holes each. So I had to drill 20, 24 holes. And then, uh, and then we decided that we actually didn't want them where I had hung them, so I had to move them again. So oh, 24 holes. Oh. But... By the end of the day, that... by the end of the day, I was very confident with the drill. How did that happen? Yeah, uh, yeah. So it was either do we center them with the desk or do we put them against this edge of the wall? And we initially thought centered, but the way the desk is an L shape, when it's centered with the desk, it doesn't feel centered with where you're sitting at the desk. Anyway, I was just following orders. I was doing whatever I was told. And, I know nothing. And I know nothing. But I got to drill a bunch of holes, and then I got to hang my guitars again, oh. finally one on each side, the way that it should be. And, Did uh, you use electric screwdriver? So I had an electric screwdriver, just a cheapo electric screwdriver that I got from Ikea eight years ago, we'll say, that like, charges with a special cable that I've long since lost. And it had enough charge to do some screwing and unscrewing. But, but then towards the end, I was using the drill to do some of the screwing. But I did quite a bit of hand screwdrivering. That's awful. Which is, yeah, and my blister. screwdriver. It's blister inducing. Yes, and my screwdriver is like like my golf clubs. Like the rubber is like tearing off because I've had this particular screwdriver for 18 years. Right. And, but yeah. So but I you got it done. I got it done. And got it done. And that's on walls that are about to be painted? Yes, the shelves are on walls that will be painted. The, the guitars are on walls that were painted already. Are they yes. removable? They're, it's this cool IKEA technology where you screw on these Two metal. Strips. No, yeah. it's a metal thing with poles that stick out that like then go into the wood, 
So you, oh. so there's holes in the wood, and you slide them under these metal poles, and it looks like the wood is just like floating against the wall. Real heavy uh, metal. Yeah. Rod. Yeah. So such that you don't you don't see how they are attached. It just looks like there's wood coming out of the wall, in this clever way. And what? And isn't there a vertical brace? Nope. It's just the weight is all on these on this. How do you fix the rod to the wall? The, the rod to the wall is there's a strip of steel and then the oh. two rods come out from that and they're, so they're welded on there's no nothing vertical about it it's all horizontal yes the vertical part how is many the strip screws that's... go in the the frame that hold the rods hold that in i put eight there's room uh, for I ten figure that and how many rods are there two for just it, two it's a how long three feet uh, it's a 110 centimeters so four feet four feet and how thick is the wood more than an inch yeah, yeah, yeah. It's but it, it's like this, like fake light wood. It's oh. it's uh, two inches, five. What do you mean fake? Is it chipped wood? Yeah, you pick it up and you're like, this should not be this light if it was real wood. Right. Like it's all so filled it's with a, uh, foam or whatever. So it's a faux shelf. Faux shelf. Faux shelf. Interesting. And faux shelf the, or shelf? Strength, the strength of the shelf is what? I wouldn't climb on top of it. No, 40, 50 pounds. But I have had a lot of boxes full of crap on them before 10 years. It'll say right on the package what the strength is. Well, it's a, it's an absolute piece of data that you'll see on the packaging. But my guess would be 40, 50 pounds, maybe yeah. more. I put a bunch of, I put, I put a bunch of weight on there and left it there for 10 years and yeah. it's just fine. That reminds me of the idea I had for the back fence. I think I told you is that I've got a, I added to the four by four by four post. I added a six by four. So now I have a 10 by six double post 10 inches 10 inches thick it's pretty damn thick post so i'm going to take a drill and drill a hole in there the size of, a, of about a 50 cent piece and with that hole 10 inches in i'm going to attach a piece of wood that's 24 or a, a steel post which you're talking about real heavy yep. steel it's actually not the size of a half dollar it's the size of a quarter and when that goes 10 inches in, there's only 14 inches remaining that are showing. And against them, instead of a wooden, because the uh, posts are 10 feet apart, that's a big gap. That's a big length of wood. Yeah. It's too big. You got. I'd have to have shelving like what you're talking about, which gives me an idea. You're welcome. Yeah. But one idea is just to use metal and lay the metal shelf over the metal because it's going to hold plants. It's wood. Uh, it's going to get a lot of water on it too. So if you're using wood, it's, it can warp. Right. I haven't found the metal I want yet. I'm thinking of uh, I'm thinking of a, a metal like. Do you know what? Uh, when you're painting and working with carpentry outside, and you have a which I often do, yes. You have uh, two ladders, and over the cross of the ladders is the board that opens up like a, an accordion. No, this way. Okay. And back in the day, it was wood. And so when you pulled it out, it could get not twice its length because the, you had to have an overlap of at least a couple of feet. But there's a word for that. I'm drawing a blank on what the word is. Extendable plank. But yeah, that's, so that's cool. You're giving me a great idea of how to do that. Yeah. So that was a lot of fun. It's always my level of handiness around the house is about to that level of drilling holes. And screwing things in, like uh, it's. However, we did move a bookcase from one apartment to the other, and I need to cut a little bit more of a notch out so that it could fit up against the molding in the other house properly at the back. And luckily, I have a handy neighbor friend that I can just go to and, and be like, "Hey, can I borrow your saw for thirty minutes?" Yeah. And because we've been over this, but fucking tools should be communal no one yeah. we don't all need we all need a hammer sometimes I, I think when you get into power equipment i agree i think in fact we all we do all need a hammer <laughs> i use a hammer three times a year oh is that true yeah. i use a hammer three times a week okay you're your hammerologist I had, i'm a handy hammer man you, you've got hammer look what i have right here look at that see that's that is a, a screwdriver that you put in your pocket like it's a pen yep i've seen those so that's how handy I am. Oh, oh. guy is handy when he wears a screwdriver in his pocket like a pen. Huh? It's like business casual, but also blue collar. Worker. Blue collar casual. There you go. Blue collar casual. I like it. We could just like, we could start our own. Hey, you remember the uh, the prison up in Oregon that was like a lot of prisons manufacturing their own prison clothes. So they had shirts like this, denim shirts, 
and also denim jeans. And they ended up marketing the jeans for the free world, calling them prison blues. Clever. And, uh, oh yeah. And Good name. Uh, there's this particular cut of a prison, a pair of prison pants that remind me of a, almost a pair of Navy pants, Navy jeans, if you know right. what those look, but not the, not the big uh, bell bottoms, but Hey, I saw a movie. I saw a movie I wanted to tell you about. Uh, tell speaking of sailors, it's uh, Chris Helmsworth in a take on Moby Dick called The Men in the Sea, or the can't remember exactly what, but it is one of the, my favorite actors who you recall from the Gangs of New York, the dude who played the uh, Daniel Day-Lewis. No, the in the Heart played, of the Sea. Yes, the dude who played the the barber who ended up being all full of hoogers, and then the butcher just came and fucking killed him with a fucking club. Just yes, off, yes, yes, yes. Gleason. Brendan Gleason as Tom And Nickerson. his son is an actor we've talked, spoken about, but he is in this, and I think, I know, I feel this way, the best role I've ever seen him in. The best I've ever, and his acting, I I, I don't know, you can check. He must have got a, a supporting actor nod, a nomination for this movie. It, it's just, it's a couple of years old, I think. But I was intrigued by it. It was interesting to see. One of my favorite movies of all time is My Name is Ishmael and Gregory Peck played Captain uh, Ahab. And, and of course, that's the whole movie. But now, with the amazing technology that they have to splice reality with this, it's astounding. And it's so recent that there's, to me, it's still easy to see when it's absolutely... Uh, it's still, we're not, we're not there yet, where it's not, where it's, you can't tell. We're getting super close, though. Of course, when you see a long-distance shot, of a horizon and ships out in the ocean and something that you just know is computer animated because it is you notice that it is and True. if you were a kid who was like how old do you have how young do you have to be to not know what i'm talking about here <laughs> 10 10 yeah it's, yeah right 10 my, my eight-year-old would not consider that this wasn't real there you go would. perfect but this movie is not a movie for eight-year-olds Okay. It's in, and the actor who plays Mr. Joy, you recall, you will recall him from uh, one, of the, Murphy. one of the Batman movies, not the captain, Mr. Joy. Uh, he's the Peaky Blinders lead character, I think, which I've not watched. There's a TV show called Peaky Blinders that I've not, oh. that I watched one episode of and wasn't really pulled in. Well, but this, yes, this, this is the best I've seen of him as well. And kudos to the makeup people for Mr. Joy. I don't know I've ever seen anything as realistically grotesque as this man as he was about to die. And he acted the shit out of it. Oh my God. And Chris Helmsworth was just obviously outdone in this scene where this guy is dying and the emotion he was able to pull up was not appropriate. But I don't want to slam Chris Helmsworth because it's a great movie, but I'm not sure. I don't think that he has the breadth that uh, Hugh Jackman might have brought to it, or uh, a lot on his on his abs. This movie, he's not. It is barely important at all that he's such a handsome man. It actually supports his protagonist, the the uh, captain, adversarial relationship, because the captain is not such a handsome man, and is not so virile and physically able. And there's a scene that I love where let's see, Mr. Chase is the uh, is the Chris Helmsworth character. Mr. Chase, he's the first mate. And there's a sail way up high. I think it's a, what do they call it? A turnstile. And it, it, they want it to drop. And the, the captain wanted it to drop and blah, blah, blah. And so it got stuck. So Mr. Chase, barefoot, of course, dashing, of course, scampers, literally scampers up the rope uh, ladder, bypasses the guy who's trying to fix it, pulls out a knife, holds it in his teeth, hangs practically upside down, slices uh-huh. the rope, the flag unfurls and he slides down the rope and lands on the deck and the men are all watching and the captain's watch. And one of the men says, uh, good job, Mr. Chase. There's some, there's some good semen there. And uh, it, it was just later that the, the, as that happened, the captain glanced at him and looked down at the, uh, looked down at the floor as if ashamed that he didn't have such amazing skills and also perhaps ashamed of his jealousy, which showed itself in the next scene started in the darkened chambers in the captain quarters with the ship creaking and moving and quiet but moving and creaking and they're having dinner and mr joy who is the second mate and mr chase and the captain are eating and the captain gives a poke pokes the bear with with mr chase and tells mr joy that his father was went to prison and that mr chase was basically an orphan and and grew up in, on a farm eating corn and eating beans and mr joy 
says everyone comes to the sea for a different reason and it's best to leave most questions alone to the captain good good and uh, yeah but but then mr chase looks at the captain and says i and i did this and i did that and it ain't the first time that some basically in my words some overrated born into a family of seamen accused me of being a lander a lander yeah Ouch. A, a landsman yeah, yeah. A sailor a landsman and and it was brought on of course by his incredible show of sailor skill and and so the tension begins and it is the underlying character current in the movie these guys fucking hate each other but they're going to get 200 barrels of fucking oil and guess who they come across guess who the fuck they come across one thousand miles from land captain hook oh no moby dick <laughs> not known as moby dick in this movie because as it turns out herman melville who interviews the the boy who was in the boat who was one of only four survivors who was 14 years old at the time. oh my god you're pouring a lot what the keep hell? going with your story what the hell man your story's interested and i want to hear keep hearing it that's a deep pour man all right hey man so, i don't you go to the so, bar and you like fingers and i'm like i'm stay home and don't have my own fingers so it's just a it's a great it's a great thing to watch and, huh, and I, I really, i've it. seen pieces of it before i haven't watched the whole thing so i watched the whole thing so that was fun nice that was fun so your homework let's yes. uh, let's let's hear it what have you done you lazy piece of shit what have you done man i wish i had enough time to watch as much tv as some people do but i made an effort and i avoided spending time with my family so that i could watch american rust i think I made, it, I made it through seven eight is the last one no uh nine is the last one i saw okay. eight last night okay i've made it through seven i think and it's when i'm watching it sometimes i feel like why am i watching these people these miserable people like they're all suffering not one of them is a hero not one of them is a they're all just struggling to do their best which i guess is true of all of us but it's just trouble after trouble and and that's an interesting question so is anybody not miserable i know who's not miserable jesus's mother who's jesus the drug dealer you don't think she's miserable no in her cabin out in the woods watching television no yeah. you know I mean, why she, i think she's worried about her son no she's not she has no idea she's seen uh, happy okay. as a clam okay fine sure the friend that isaac makes yeah. on his journey yeah she's troubled in her own way but she's chipper like she, i'm happy yeah, when she's, she's, on she's chipper till she's not right but yeah the whole before this, were you aware of the of the Hanky Code? No, not at all. Were you? Yes, I've listened to, I've read about it, and I've listened to a podcast that described that this is a very common thing because in in Protestant in like in in America where being gay is has historically been seen as very bad, okay. it's hard for gay men to have any sort of interaction and i think in the 80s in probably it's got to be in uh, san francisco but they came up with this with this code of putting a handkerchief in your pocket and each color meant a different thing that you either wanted to do to someone or wanted them to do to you and it's super well known i'm sure there's a document online that i'll probably search for and put in the show notes but it i found that interesting that they used this particular device and it's it works well in the as a plot device like that they are desperate for money and they're willing to steal and also are in trouble but and also the plot point of my of do i go to jail for something that my friend did to protect me what is the what is the stretch of loyalty exactly that's the main question of this series that i've seen then there's the whole like opium uh, epidemic and how shitty okay, that right. is it's a it is in fact a sad fucking testament and with that established which for me as we talked before does not diminish for me my enthusiasm for a movie that makes me feel terrible as this one does throughout it it's painful but here's the thing it's painful because the actors are acting with such authenticity it's astounding 
to see it. Yes. And I am so fucking impressed with the dude who plays Billy that I can't begin to tell you. Yeah. And it only gets as you know, I think you must be on episode more like episode six. No, he's in prison already. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. And did what is the let me ask you a question. What is the status of what's more a lead actress's name is in the movie is what? Uh, <clears throat> Billy's mother. Billy's mother. Yeah. What is the status of her house? in the last episode you saw her car has been destroyed but her house is still there okay so you're at, uh, and okay. she's doing this unit organizing and yeah you're way... at seven you're at seven i've seen eight right and i believe there's nine okay and i can tell you this that as much as it seemed increasingly desperate on virtually everybody's part because not only is it all sad and like really bad shit happening to people like we need some redemption that Somewhere. badness escalates for every single fucking character. Yeah. And by the time you get to eight, it like, who is going to fucking explode first? With one exception, which I'll keep to myself for now. But anyway, what did you, what, so what critique the acting? Do you agree with what I'm saying about Maura Tierney and Jeff Daniels? Good call on the names. Yes, they're fantastic. Like, I forget that I'm watching actors, but the... And they do such an amazing job of representing this desperation, because that's what they're—that's what they have in this little town. Is it moves, it's moving toward it's moving toward fucking chaos, right? But like, how can there be resolution? Because it's just resolution? everyone's life is shit. I'm not, I'm not expecting resolution. I'm expecting endings. I'm expecting endings. Like deaths. I'm expecting devastation. I'm expecting endings. Because I don't like, know that your typical the, the way you tell a story is you start out and you paint the scene and then you introduce conflict and then you have resolution. But this particular storyline has been okay, here's a bunch of miserable people. A murder a murder happens and everyone is still miserable and getting more miserable and here we are at the end and it's just okay, is this chord gonna resolve or not? So Right. Uh, it's uh, it's I enjoyed it. I enjoyed every time I see it. I also saw the second episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm, which, oh, I got to tell you, it's 13 seasons now, and Larry David is the single most insufferable human being on the face of the planet. He has this, <laughs> and it's, I tell you, it's remarkable it, because it is, I've never missed an episode, and wow. there's never been an episode that I haven't enjoyed. And he is the least enjoyable character ever created and in that in his insufferability is the comedy is the comedy in the movie and it's and the writers are just so kind of cool well, it's him and others it's so crazy but that's homework for you i'm sure you haven't caught up with the new season I'm sure you haven't even started it i've watched a little bit of career enthusiasm from like way back when but last week i stumbled upon a youtube video that was an interview with Jason Alexander talking about the moment when he realized that that his character Costanza, what George Costanza was Larry David. Uh -huh. like it it took him like seven episodes before he realized that, oh wait, this writer that is writing these ridiculous things about me. The example he gave in, in Seinfeld, George quits his job in a real fit and just it's just fuck all you guys you guys are the worst fuck all you guys and, and then he comes home and he realizes what have i done oh my god and then i guess jerry or kramer tells him look just go in on monday like nothing of that nothing of that ever happened and just be like what you thought i was serious and apparently this actually happened with larry david he quit his job on snl and there's just this big ass fit of just i hate all you guys lauren is the worst and and then he went back the next Monday and, and was just like, yeah, I'm here again. Oh, you thought that was real? Oh, Did, <laughs> which is just the that level of neuroticism that Jason Alexander realized embodied his character. That's interesting, <clears throat> which, which means that George Costanza was the the first Larry David now writ large in Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yes, but, but he, and he specifically said that there are two parts to Larry David. There's the, I forget exactly what he said, but it was something like there's the ridiculous anxiety part, and then there's the egotistical, I'm better than everybody part. And 
and that George Costanza was the first, he just the first anxiety part, right. and that the Larry David on the Larry David show is the I'm better than everybody part. Right. And my favorite character, bar none, which I can never, there is nothing he says that I don't laugh about, nothing, is J.D. Smoove. And he's Larry's roommate, what's his name? God, why don't I know this? 13 seasons and I don't know the character's name. What's wrong with me? You don't need to when you're consuming. What, so what, find it for me. I'm, it drives me crazy. Find it for me. You're quick. J.D. Smoove. J.B. Smoove. B. J.D. B. B. J.B. Smoove. Leon. Leon, of course. He's just fucking hilarious. And every other word is motherfucker. <laughs> the, second, the second episode of, of this season, <laughs> He is so hilarious in the plot line that's going on with him for episodes one and two so far, and will probably continue, is that he's won a trip to go to Asia. No, he's paying for a trip to go to Asia, and he was taking his girlfriend, and um, she walked into a glass wall, and when she did and knocked herself down, he said, it'll never be the same again. I can't see her sexually anymore because she's that stupid. She would walk into a glass wall. And so he gets rid of her and he says, so I'm going to get, I have to have another girlfriend. And Larry David says, but you have a ticket in her name. He said, I'm going to find someone with her name. With her name. <laughs> it's going to be Kat, like what's Kathy Sturgis or something. Kathy Sturgis too. And so he has tryouts. And it's set up in Larry David's house, like a studio having tryouts. Something Magusin, I think this. With all the people it's, named that. Yes. Yeah, so I'll show up and then he interviews them and he asks the stupidest questions that are so obvious. It's hilarious. It's some of the best comedy huh. writing anywhere. Yeah, I, I need to get into. I just never stop laughing, and it, it, it's so fucking outrageous. And that, and because I'm watching the words in the script below, it's always interesting because they tell you the, the they give you the words of the background music, but when it's introduced in the scene, they tell you who's playing and what the name of it is. <laughs> you would never know that, of course, otherwise. Right. And I really appreciate that. But yeah, so that, what was, you had other home. I did, I did some Halloween activity. For those of you that would like to learn about Dennis's haunted house antics, you could go back to, I don't know, episode 30 or something, where he talked about all, all that. Uh, oh, really? You talked about all your haunted house uh, Back in Jackson, stuff. Michigan? Yes. Yeah. At the, but, the haunted theater. But the, uh, we, so after our hard day's work of drilling all the holes and putting all the up all the shelves on Sunday. We we carved some pumpkins, which was lovely with my kids. Uh, oh yes, I, saw I, I wasn't going to. I sort of thought, my kid, maybe my kids are too old for this or something. And I asked the kids. I said, uh, "So do you guys want to carve pumpkins this year or, or or not?" And they were like, "Yeah, of course we do." Yeah. So we did that. That was fun. And then, as I mentioned last episode, because I'm still in the process of editing it because I had a busy weekend. You may recall that I wanted to show my kids the Sixth Sense. Yes. And I, uh, 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 I was able to show my daughter, 12 years old, and she sat through the whole thing with me and was creeped out in the way that like the music tells you when to be creeped out. And But then at the end of the final reveal, like I wanted to show her this before she got it spoiled. Uh-huh. Because that's a movie that if you have had it spoiled before you see it, it's, it's ruined. It's ruined. Uh, but after you've seen it, Watching it again is also you really interesting because they do this thing where every time there's an interaction between the afterlife and life, there's a red object in the screen. They, there's a red doorknob or there's a red box Rose. or there's a red coat or something. And so anyway, we watched the whole thing and we got to the end and she we got all, all the way to the credits and I asked her, so what just happened? And she didn't really understand. Like she hadn't, she didn't uh-huh. understand that... He, <clears throat> Spoiler, he was dead the whole time. And so then, then I said, okay, look, I'm going to explain this to you. And then we're going to go back and watch the last five minutes together. And then you're going to see why this was true. And so we did that. And she was just like, oh my God, this is the most amazing thing I've ever, oh my, wow. Like, yeah. how could that have been? Just exp- exper- she's 12. And just experiencing this, whoa, like they tricked us the whole time. Like the thing that we all experienced the first time we saw that movie. So is that yes. one of Bruce Willis's best? Bruce was at his prime. He was at his most handsome. He, he underplays it so nice. He still had he, hair. And they, no, he did not. There was quite a bit of hair. hair. 
That's not his name. Okay, sorry. He's silly goose. <laughs> but <laughs> he's been bald since he was twenty nine. Okay. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> but but it's a tribute. To, it's a tribute to the hairdresser that you say that. Yeah. Yeah. And, but and it was, and Jesus Christ, Haley Joel Osmond. Have you seen him lately? He built that movie. I know that he's thirty now, and I've seen. I've he weighs seen, like three hundred pounds. He's, he's okay, but he's like he, boy. that movie rested upon him, upon yes. that, upon that character, believing and creeping you out by being scared and crying at the right time. And do you remember the other movie that he he was in immediately after that? Play it forward. Pay it forward. Yeah, that's the we, we've seen that as a family. That yeah. was amazing. Yeah, that uh, was amazing. Hunt. Yes, and put him in the chronicles of all time child actors yes yes and also ai True. started that with god jude law who was Fan of the fucking show. unbelievable that plot line was great it did it the dude we just talked about gleason wasn't he in that as a uh, one of the carnival people or no <laughs> i think he was gleason we just talked about the Gleason we talked about from I was he was in the heart of the sea and he's I know him from Braveheart he was the the redhead guy in Braveheart he was the father no he was he was the son his father was a, a hell of a character he's the dude who they had the, the rock throwing the stone yes. throwing contest in the beginning Gleason and we he wasn't he wasn't AI well done he was the ringleader in the ring in the in the in the, in the, in the circus okay well done that's crazy that you know that yeah, so The Sixth Sense was wild, and she was okay with the whole, like, there's a little, there's just a tiny bit of creep factor of someone reach, reaching out from under a bed to grab your ankle or something, but in general, that movie is not, as I suspected, as I, that's why I chose it, it's not, it presupposes the existence of ghosts, but it doesn't show you all that much. Like, the, the fact that he knows that his school used to be used as a place to uh -huh. hang people during the revolution uh -huh. because he's in Philadelphia. That uh, was some scary shit. That, well, and that was unsettling. But at first when he, when you, when you don't know what he, what his powers are and the teacher asks, who knows what this building was used for a long time ago? And he raises his hand and says, this building was used to hang people. Cool. And his teacher is like, uh, no, I don't know where you got that information, but no, he says, yeah, the, that they dragged people in here and, and hanged them. And his teacher, I don't know, no, not really. But that level of remember creepy, his teacher got creepy, all nervous and crazy well, because because he knew. Damn, your memory is amazing. Your memory it just blows my mind. I wish I had that sort of memory. But he had spoken to a classmate of his teacher's that had been, that had died in a theater fire before, and so he knew that his teacher's nickname back when he was a student was Stuttering Stanley. And he kept saying, stuttering Stanley, stuttering Stanley, stuttering Stanley. And his teacher, who hadn't stuttered in a long time, started to be like, you, 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 stop, stop that. And that sort of, because at that point in the movie, you don't know it, what this kid's supernatural ability is. No. And All you know is that he's tied in. <clears throat> and the plot line of him being connected uh, to the dead is such a riveting plot line in and of itself, let alone, as it turns out, because he is fucking dead. Yeah. Um, My, it's, or who is that? Bruce Willis was dead. Or were they both dead? Bruce. Only. Bruce was dead. How did he die? Oh, he was shot. He, he was shot by a, by an old patient who had grown up. and Yes, the and, tape recording. Oh, I remember wow. those tape recordings were so terrible. And, and oh, my he God. Found this old tape recording. provoking And you just knew. Oh, it reminded me of, it, it, there's a scene in the pic that Robin Williams starred in where he played a aspiring doctor who ended up becoming a doctor, Patch Adams. Patch Adams, And yeah. um, in there, there's a madman who ends up killing uh, Patch Adams' long sought after and hard-earned uh, girlfriend who, who was just perfectly played. And in the scene, when you fucking know that he's going to fucking kill her, when she goes to his house in a storm, talk about fucking standard kind of plot shit right. in a fucking rainstorm and he says come on in let me take your coat and the door closes and that's it the next cut is when people discover that that she's dead that's it and it's as fucking horrifying as the fucking shower scene in fucking psycho right you don't have to show it you which, have to uh, imply it which is like have you seen the movies there's several movies about hitchcock two movies at least about hitchcock 
One is played by, oh, oh, the British actor who just won Academy Award for Best Actor, uh, drawn a blank. And the other one is, oh, shit. Why am I drawing a blank on both of these actors' names? But two movies about Hitchcock, each of which is just absolutely riveting. And each of which puts into perspective something I had no idea about, which was how much his wife was the genius the the brains behind the genius and i was so riveted by learning this which the one biopic did a better job than the other on her role that i went to his lifetime achievement role at the academy awards and watched him accept the award seated because he was still an old elderly and hilarious just absolutely hilarious where he said of course he thanked miriam and said it's all due to her which I, I didn't know that, number one, she did. I certainly didn't know that that's what he said, too. One. So somebody, like the outlet for women to get their creativity out into the world was through their husband's names yes. back then. And the plot line in the one biopic, which has, oh, shit, man. Who's the actor who played Hannibal Lecter? Uh, yes. What a dolt I am. <laughs> so stupid. I, I've it's, got, like, Alzheimer. What? Anthony, Anthony Hopkins. Hopkins, yes, where he plays Hitch in this one, and none other than look it up and look at the woman who plays because she's one of the best actors of our time. Helen Mira plays Helen his wife. Yep, Mirren. and and in that one, it tells the plot line of how Psycho at test audiences it was an absolute bomb, and his wife completely recut it, and one of the arguments they had was about the music, and he just told she just told Hitch to shut up that the music was as much about building the tension as anything and that music and psycho <laughs> just so crazy it was all her that was and the thing the that, that, that didn't people didn't understand how music affected the viewing no. experience before that this, this is in the 50s this was you know, so innovative to come to to learn that you could that and they say this is, this is i'm going to go ahead and say this is a proven uh scientific fact that if you're watching a scary movie the way to not be scared anymore is to put your hands over your ears to not hear the music oh to, to not hear because watching what is happening isn't scary it's not nearly it's it's the audio that is scary the other thing that she did which is also stunning is she created the marketing scheme where they went to the theaters and hitch was when it, as the previews were showing he gave out a specific instructions about how there had to be security there, that they had to be ready on the ready for emergencies. Because in, in other words, without ever saying so, it was so frightening that he was afraid of physical and mental health consequences. That was all her. That was all her. Clear, clear. And the lines to get into it, and they had the security there. And by the time that people were in it, they showed Hitch in the lobby when the shower scene, which he choreographed personally with the stabbing, that was him doing that stabbing that or I mean, it was sure. right that he did. A, he was it was it was like ballet that he was just swirling and twirling to the music. And when the audience gasped and in and, and absolute horror at was happening, the music to his ears and how he wouldn't sit because he wanted to be privately being able to observe it and, and, and hear it. You'll like it. You'll like it. And no, none other than Scarlett Johan, uh, Johansson playing just fills up every screen playing the character of the woman one of one of hitch's famous so uh, blonde women who all of his sure. he's always in love with the actresses in the, the one version the one biopic had him like really fucking creepy really creepy really creepy second one not so much okay i had a thing to say again about american rust or something but it's gone the prison stuff in American Rust is just... Is that... Uh, does that feel... Yes. Legit? All of it? Yes. Every bit of it. Every bit of it. I was in a situation where the camera that was in the hallway showing the prison cells, a row of prison cells, showed an open cell door that was opened off screen and prisoners sneaking into the cell. And the next thing you saw was a prisoner's clothes being thrown out one at a time out into the hallway where he was assaulted. And you it saw was, this. 
Yes. It was his sanctioned going away party. Fuck. Sanctioned. Who opened the door, of course. And the amazing thing about it is that it was all filmed. And all the correction officers knew that. Another film of a prisoner, and he is near the corner of a wall, two walls, a corner of a wall. And you can see his head and his body coming and going a little bit. And what, what I knew was that on the other side of that wall where you could not see was a kitchen worker who was performing fellatio on him, who was later helpful in his escape, for which felony she received a lengthy prison term. Fuck. It's a life, man. It's a whole world. Yeah, it's a like whole world. the it's a brutal world. There's this thin line between the shitty life of the poor American, no healthcare worker that's just trying to get by and is probably finding opioids to make it better. On the other side, like it's such a thin, thin, thin line to cross over to the prison system where you are. There's in theory fewer opioids, but you're also in. Like life is like. Speaking of dark stuff, I've been trying to get my daughter to start reading the Hunger Games. Have you read the Hunger Games? Yeah, all of them. Yeah, and they're teenage books. Right, exactly. And she's twelve. And I, I keep telling her, look, if you start, you'll get into it. But she's not big into reading in English. Like her books, normally she reads in Spanish. But we have the English Hunger Games here, and she's tried it a couple times and says it's too hard. So over the past two days, I have read the first two chapters to her. Oh, that's a nice way to go. And to taunt her into, oh, yeah. what could possibly happen here? And yeah. the first chapter goes all the way through where it describes both how proficient Katniss is at, at, at hunting and also how shitty life is in yeah. 12. Yeah. But, but, and then in the, in the second chapter, which I read for her today, is where they have their, their reaping, where they choose who goes. And I, I guess at the end of the first chapter, they chose her sister, and that was a cliffhanger. And then in the second chapter, like they go through the rest of it. But it was like she's very much hooked now and has started has read a couple pages. I hope she continues. But it in the way that I knew that this would hook her because I know her personality and I know that she loves these yeah. this sort of thing, and. I remember when I started reading the Hunger, the Hunger Games, where I was like, I I couldn't book, I couldn't put the book down. Like I told people, go away, I'm reading, because I needed to finish. So that we will check back in next week to see how how well that has gone. But at the moment, I'm pretty pleased with how she feels. The movie will <clears throat> assume she hasn't seen it yet. Right, exactly. That those first the first movie, which is what you're describing yes. in the screenplay, was particularly well done. Well done. And I'll talk about the other there's three movies. I'll talk about the other ones. That there's I'm... four movies, but because is they split four? the third book into two. Oh, because okay. more money. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot to say about how that evolved. Listen, man, I, I got a scamper and I, I don't scamper much. I don't want to say when I was reading the part where everyone in District 12 was holding up their three fingers. I got very emotional because that's just beautiful. Yeah, for it, that. It, I was hooked and I'll talk about the third book at a later time but and I'll just say this, that I think that when you're doing a trilogy that it's really hard to get the third one right. Indeed. I think it's really hard to get the third one right. And sometimes there's a, a, a it seems to be a dynamic with the author that they want to out, outdo themselves. They want to go one step further and rather than any other option. Now, and I will tell you that I th as I think about this, the final episode of Scenes from a Marriage was an example where that did not happen. It was actually the future was all ratcheted down and it wasn't exclamatory. And I think there's a tendency in, in tril the trilogies are tough, particularly threequels in movies, but a completely different issue relative. I, I think the video right. I, was, I was watching before I watched the one with Jason Alexander talking about Larry David was the one where they were all talking about how the finale was like they were the most watched show on TV and they yeah. chose to quit and that the finale doesn't necessarily, despite the fact that the show was all about the mundane they necessarily had to do something bigger in the final show and that they also knew that no one would ever be satisfied with it but yeah yeah the trilogy thing we should have stopped at episode three but here we are on 32 oops so 132 hours 
Oh my God. That's a lot of hours. What a treasure trove of nothingness. What a Seinfeld. What a, what an absolute record of emptiness. What absolutely record devoid of anything of particular material interest. Indeed. I just This is for the tribute to the both of us. Our that, great 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 grandchildren uh, to right. discover these archives. Our, our data showed an up and an up and down trend. That's not well, that's because I forgot to. I, I haven't. Oh, that's right. You skipped released it. last episode skipped, right, because I'm stupid right. and I was busy and but with family stuff. This is still 132. It because is because 130 was called the unrecorded episode. Correct. No. 129. 129. No. 128 was the one. Yeah. 129 was the one we didn't the record. Yes. You did skip I, the number. I did skip. Like no, you no, asked. No. You're not, no. 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 We agreed you wouldn't skip, that you would name 120-something the the unrecorded episode because we actually met for the 129th time or whatever. Yeah, hold on. So, we did 27, and then we did 128, but I forgot to record. And then we did 129. Ah. So you, did, you didn't skip the number. You, you held the number true. There is the episode 128, just not recorded. Yes. Fuck. Perfect. That's it's, what I, I would expect. I would expect nothing less. There you go. Expectation. Yeah. I wish that I knew more than just the first three words of any song. (laughs) Happy birthday to... Uh, Hey, man. Hey, we got got a North Carolina trip lined up. Yeah. Yeah, baby. First week of December. You could be like the uh, Elvis Presley surprise guest. It could be there, pretty sure. Yeah, I know. We'll see. All right. I'm out, Turkey Man. Later, uh, Gobble Gobble. <laughs> you are just so clever. I just... it's, not, it's not even Thanksgiving yet. Come on. It's November. It's, it's Halloween, man. Okay, that's it for episode number 132. I apologize for my voice. I have a little bit of a cold. You can find the show notes at happyhour.fm slash 132. You can help support the show at patreon.com slash happyhour. We would really love that. And everybody stay safe out there. Be good. Be good to each other. We love you. We'll see you next week.